0: blog talk radio all right sports fans how's everybody out there doing william martin coming at you one more time here on blogtalkradio.com with another edition of the 300 pounds of sports knowledge show As always, I want to take this time out to thank all of you fine folks out there for tuning in this evening. And as always, the guest call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And on this wonderful evening of November the 5th, 2017, I can gladly once again tell the world that Miss Runner's baby boy is back on the air. Now, there was plenty of exciting action around the National Football League today. And I want to get things started with a big tilt that took place in the NFC South. As you had the last two division champions, and on top of that, the last two conference champions getting it on as the 5-3 and three Carolina Panthers hosted. The four and three Atlanta Falcons, and early on this game was dominated by Atlanta. It was three nothing late in the first quarter in favor of the Falcons when quarterback Matt Ryan connected with wide receiver Mohamed Sanu and just capped off at eight-place 61-yard drive when Ryan connected with Sanu on a six-yard touchdown pass to give Atlanta the 10 to nothing advantage. Now, the Falcons were driving once again, but the momentum of this contest changed as the Falcons had to go for it on fourth down when they were in scoring range, and they were denied. And the reason why the Falcons had to go for it, place kicker Matt Bryant was dealing with a leg injury and it really put a strain on his ability to go out there and kick today. The Falcons did not attempt a field goal. They were stopped on fourth down, and Carolina was able to make the most of it as they put together a drive just before the first half ended, which was capped off by a four-yard run from rookie running back, Christian McCaffrey to get them on the board as they were now trailing 10 to 7. However, after a stop by the Panthers defense, their offense got the football right back and with just under 30 seconds remaining in the first half, Carolina actually had the lead as run, uh, quarterback Cam Newton called his own number and punched it in from 9 yards out to give the Panthers the 14 to 10 advantage. Now, a pair of Graham Gano field goals in the third quarter allowed Carolina to extend their advantage to 20-10. to 10. However, Atlanta would attempt to rally as late in the fourth, Ryan connected with running back Tevin Coleman on a 19-yard touchdown pass, and this capped off a seven-play, 92-yard drive that only took two minutes and a second off of the game clock to make it 20-17. to 17. However, Ryan was intercepted on the Falcons' next possession, and subsequently, Atlanta would go on to lose this contest today by the score of 20 to 17. Inside of the numbers of this contest, Matt Ryan was 24 of 38 passing for 313 yards or two TDs and a pick while he was sacked once. Now, Cam Newton did not have a big game as he was 13 of 24 passing for a buck 34 with no TDs and no picks. The biggest thing for Carolina in this game offensively was that they were able to dominate the line of scrimmage as the Panthers had 201 yards on the ground. Now, Falcons wide receiver Julio Jones did have six grabs for 118 yards and he was playing hurt, but the biggest play in regards to Julio Jones in this contest was in the second half when Atlanta was down 10 points and Matt Ryan found a wide open in the end zone and he dropped the ball for a surefire touchdown and that drop really came back to hurt Atlanta this afternoon now you look inside of this game and like I said before the Matt Bryant injury really hurt the strategy for Atlanta in this contest. Because when you don't have a kicker, it changes the dynamic of what you can and can't do on offense, especially in an important game like this for both clubs. So you look at Atlanta. They started off 3-0. and Now they've lost four out of their last five. Luckily for them, three of those losses came against the AFC. So there's still an opportunity for them to make up some ground in the NFC South. But the division games are always so tough to win. And when you have the opportunity, like Atlanta did, to steal one on the road, you have to go out there and make the most of it. On the flip side for Carolina, this was a big one because we saw earlier this week, or pardon me, last week, when they traded wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin to the buffalo bills and you just wanted to see how this team especially on offense was going to be able to respond to it and i think offensively carolina got back to their bread and butter today and when i say bread and butter i mean what made them the nfc champions in 2015 as they ran the football 38 attempts for 201 yards that's panthers football right there they're going to be smash mouth on both sides of the ball They're going to dictate the pace on defense. The front seven is going to fly around, and because of that, they are going to consistently find themselves in contest. Now, you look ahead to week number 10 for both of these clubs. Carolina will be at home next Monday night when they host the Miami Dolphins, while Atlanta will be at home to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, staying in the NFC South, you had the two and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome to take on the five and two New Orleans Saints, and you looked at Tampa Bay. They came into this game without a win on the road, and they were hopeful to change that outcome uh, this afternoon. Now it was three nothing midway through the first quarter in favor of New Orleans when a blocked punt was returned by Justin Hardy to give the Saints the 9 to nothing advantage it was 9 to 3 in favor of the Saints late in the first quarter when they put together a seven play 93 yard drive which is capped off by a 33 yard run from rookie running back Alvin Kamara to extend their lead to 16 to 3 and the Saints would go on to put this contest away early in the third quarter as they put together a six-play 72-yard drive, which is capped off with Kamara's second touchdown run of the day, this time from six yards out to make it 23-3. And New Orleans would go on to win this contest today by the score of 30-10. Now you look inside of the numbers. Excuse me, Saints quarterback Drew Brees was extremely efficient as he was 22-27 of passing. For 267 yards today with two tds and no picks now things really changed for the bucks when Jameis winston who's already dealing with a bad shoulder was forced to leave this contest and he made way for backup quarterback ryan fitzpatrick but it did not matter because combined tampa's tampa's quarterbacks today were 15 of 28 passing for buck uh, 13 with one td no picks and they were sacked four times the difference was you look at the Saints rushing attack as they had 151 yards on the ground. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a young team, and they still need to find a way to mature and in several ways. Because last season, the Bucs finished strong, and a lot of people thought that this team was ready to turn the corner and be a playoff contender here in 2017. They have regressed Mightily, Because there's a difference when you go out there and nobody's paying attention to you and you're trying to win games as opposed to when everybody has seen your act and they expect, you know, they, they're, they're more prepared for you to say the least. This Bucks team went out there, and they really improved things on the offensive side of the football this season. You bring it to Deshaun Jackson. You draft to O.J. Howard. But Tampa has struggled to run the defensive side of the football as well. And on top of that, this Bucks team does not have any leadership, and that showed today because you look at this contest. Jameis Winston went out with a shoulder injury. Okay, then in the second half, Jameis Winston was still hot about it. There was a little dust up on the field between the Bucs and the Saints. Then there's a situation where Jameis Winston comes off of the sideline to poke the back of the helmet of Saints defensive back Marshawn Lattimore. Lattimore turns around to confront him, and Mike Evans, the Bucs wide receiver, delivers a cheap shot to Lattimore. Both teams are going at it. Sean Payton, the Saints head coach, took extreme exception to that because he felt that Evans should have been thrown out of the game, which he should have, and since Evans was not thrown out of the game, I guarantee you his paycheck will be a lot lighter uh, heading into week number 10. And the same could be said for Winston, and the problem is this. Winston is supposed to be the leader of this team. That behavior is unacceptable. You're out of the game. You're injured. At that point, the only thing that he really should be worried about – he should be listening to the play calls and he should be right there with Ryan Fitzpatrick to you know help him and see help him see things that he may not be seeing right now on the football field that's what Winston needs to be doing he needs to be on the sideline coaching up his offensive line he needs to be on the sideline coaching up his receivers not out there pointing fingers and trying to get into it with the opponent that's why the Tampa Bay that's a big reason why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 2 and 6 on the flip side, you would never see Drew Brees do that for the Saints, regardless of what happened. Now, for the Buccaneers, I don't know what to say. They've got to find a way to get some leadership on this team, and if they don't, they're 2-6 and six right now, it's going to get a lot worse because you look at the talent around them in this division, and they have to find a way to keep up. Now, on the flip side for the Saints, this has been a great turnaround, and I think this is a credit Deshaun Payton, their head coach, as well as Mickey Loomis, the GM. Because this team was 0-2, and we all expected it. You know what? It's going to be the same old Saints. But New Orleans has now won six in a row. First team since the 2007 New York Giants to reel off six consecutive wins after they started 0-2. And fortunately for the Saints, I'm sure they're looking at the 2007 Giants saying, well, they won the Super Bowl. Let's see if we could do the same thing. But for New Orleans – They're doing it with running the football and their defense. And that is something that the Saints have not been able to do consistently since they won the Super Bowl in 2009. So you look at this team right now, they're running the football consistently and effectively with Mark Ingram as well as Alvin Kamara. You look at this defense, they are flying around the football for defensive coordinator Dennis Allen, and they are going to be a very dangerous team heading into the second half of the season. So, I mean, you're looking at this AFC South race right now. This, I think, really has the potential between Carolina, between New Orleans, and Atlanta to be the best race in the NFL for the second half. Now, you look ahead to week number 10 for both of these clubs, and you're going to have Tampa Bay at home when they host the New York Jets, while New Orleans will be on the road next Sunday afternoon when they face the Buffalo Bills. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, moving right along in the Pacific Northwest, you had the 5-2 and two Seattle Seahawks. Taking on the three and four Washington Redskins, and Seattle dominated the first half of this contest, but they only had two points to show for it when, while they sacked Redskins quarterback Kirk Cousins in the end zone, and it was actually middle linebacker Bobby Wagner that did it as they had a two nothing lead. Now, late in the first, in the second quarter. Washington was able to put together a 13-play, 71-yard drive that ate up nearly seven minutes of game clock, and it was uh, capped off when running back Robert Kelly—not R. Kelly, but Robert Kelly—he punched it in from a yard out to give them the seven-to-two advantage. And I talked about Seattle dominating the first half. They had to settle for three Blair Walsh field goal attempts, and he missed all three. And of course, the Bluebirds came out for Walsh at CenturyLink Field in Seattle. Now, it was 10 to 2 in favor of Washington going to the fourth quarter when the Se- the Seahawks end zone uh, part of me offense was actually finally able to find the end zone and they put together a 6 play 66 yard drive which was capped off when quarterback Russell Wilson connected with tight end Luke Wilson from ten yards out to make it ten eight now Seattle would go for the two point conversion and fail, and they had to settle for being down by two points now, with just under two minutes left in this contest, the Seahawks would rally once again this time when Wilson would connect with his BFF at wide receiver and one Doug Baldwin from thirty yards out to give the Seahawks their first lead of the, their first uh, lead of the contest since the first quarter as they went up by the score of fourteen to ten however the Seahawks defense was unable to hold the lead and with just under one minute left, Kelly connected on his second rushing touch of the contest to give Washington a 17-14 to 14 lead. Washington's defense would do the rest and the Redskins would go on the road and secure a 17-14 to 14 victory this afternoon. And you look inside of this contest, Seattle dominated Washington in every facet of the game the Seahawks amassed 437 yards of offense compared to just 244 for the Redskins but when you look inside of the contest missed opportunities doomed Seattle Russell Wilson had two interceptions I talked about the three field goals that were missed by Blair Walsh and on top of that Seattle committed 16 penalties today that is not going to cut it. You look at the Seahawks team, and I mean, defensively, they were there for about three three quarters, maybe three and a half quarters. But you look at that uh, game-winning drive for the Redskins, that's where the Seahawks missed Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas, of course, injured his hamstring in the victory over the Houston Texans last Sunday, and he was out today. And that's where the uh, the Seahawks missed him because – Those types of drives are where Earl Thomas comes up and makes the big-time plays, the game-changing plays. And unfortunately for the Seahawks, they did not have that. And you look at Washington. Credit to them because everything was against this Redskins team. Going up to Seattle, the offensive line is in shambles right now due to the injuries. And you're facing a Seahawks team that was looking pretty good and – You know, you went up there, you were dominated early, and when it was all said and done, you were dominated in the first half, but you still were actually up by five points going to the dressing room. So credit to Jay Gruden, the Redskins head coach. Credit to Kirk Cousins because the Redskins quarterback took a beating this afternoon as he was sacked six times. But the guy was simply unfazed. He went out there. He stayed poised. And when his team needed it the most, he found a way to make the plays to lead them to a victory. Now, it's going to be a quick turnaround for Seattle, so they have to get this loss out of their systems very quickly as they will be on the road this Thursday night to face the Arizona Cardinals while Washington will be at home to take on the Minnesota Vikings next Sunday afternoon. Now, down at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, you had the 4-3 and three Dallas Cowboys taking on the 6-2 and two Kansas City Chiefs. And Dallas was able to get the scoring going late in the first quarter when quarterback Dak Prescott connected with wide receiver Cole Beasley from 6 yards out to give the Cowboys the 7 to nothing advantage. Now, with just 13 seconds left in the first half, the Cowboys scored their second touchdown of the contest, this time when Prescott uh, called his own number and punched it in from 10 yards out to give Dallas the 14-3 advantage. Now, all signs pointed to Dallas taking an 11-point lead to the locker room at the half. But on the final play of the first half, and this is something that you really don't see that often, Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith connected with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill had a pair of blockers in front of him. There's a little swing, a little pass over the middle, dump pass over the middle. The Cowboys had most of their defenders guarding the goal line. Hill distrotted down the field, made one move on Orlando Skandrick, the Cowboys' defensive back, who failed to contain him and push him back to his uh, teammates defensively. And the next thing you know, Tyreek Hill was in the end zone for a touchdown, and it cut the Cowboy lead to 14-10. to Now, Kansas City would uh, get the opening kickoff to begin the second half and they marched down the field on a nine play 62 yard drive, which ate up nearly six minutes of game clock and it was capped off when Smith connected with tight end Travis Kelsey from two yards out as Kansas City got their first lead of the contest today at 17 to 14. However, Dallas would immediately rally as they were able to put together a 12-play 75-yard drive, which ate up more than five and a half minutes of game clock. And it culminated when running back Ezekiel Elliott punched it in from two yards out to put Dallas back ahead by the score of 21-17. to 17. Now, the Cowboys would put together another time-consuming drive as midway through the fourth quarter, Prescott connected with Beasley again this time from 7 yards out to make it 28 to 17 and this capped off a 13 play 87 yard drive which ate up nearly 7 minutes of game clock. The Chiefs did attempt to get back into this contest but Smith threw his first interception of the season and it proved to be costly as Kansas City would fall to Dallas this afternoon by the score of 28 Two seventeen. Now you look inside of the numbers. Alex Smith was twenty-five of thirty-four passing for two sixty-three with two TDs, and I talked about that big interception he had. While well, Dak Prescott rather was twenty-one of thirty-three passing for two hundred and forty-nine yards with two TDs, and most importantly, no interceptions. Dallas had one hundred and thirty-one yards on the ground with ninety-three of those coming from Ezekiel Elliott, while wide receiver Terrence Williams had nine grabs for a buck 41, and Des Bryant also chipped in with six grabs for 73 yards. On the Kansas City side, tight end Travis Kelsey had seven receptions for 73 yards with that touchdown grab. You look at the Dallas Cowboys, and this is a very dangerous team. They are an enigma right now because they're five and three. We know about everything that is going on with Ezekiel Elliott. And it's like a week-to-week basis. Will he play or won't he play? One minute he's suspended, and then the NFL PA finds an appeals court to overturn the decision, and he's out there. And as long as he's out there, the Dallas Cowboys are going to have a chance to win because of his ability running the football. But you look at Dallas, aside from what they're able to do offensively, they're playing some defense this season, and it starts up front. And they've put a lot of uh, time and effort and energy into improving their front seven. You bring in a rookie like Taco Charlton who can rush the passer. Demarcus Lawrence is stepping up. Jalen Smith, who would have been a first-round pick in 2016 had he not suffered that horrific knee injury in the Fiesta Bowl for Notre Dame. He's really – he's starting to get his legs back under him. And, of course, if you're able to rush the passer consistently, it's going to help out your secondary. So I look at this Dallas team right now, and they could be very, very dangerous as long as Ezekiel Elliott is able to avoid suspension. Now, on the flip side for Kansas City, you've now lost three out of your last four games. You got to find a way to get back on track. And I look at this Chiefs team. They tried to get back to doing what they do best. their playmakers on offense, and they were unable to do it consistently. And I think a lot of that was due to the fact that Dallas was able to shorten the game by what they were able to do on offense. And as long as Dallas is running the football as effectively like they were today, they're going to be a problem. But for Kansas city, you're still the class of the AFC West, but at the same time, you need to try to find a way to consistently string together some W's. And the reason for that is, like i said it before, and I'll say it again, you're competing with both the Pittsburgh Steelers and New England Patriots for home field advantage in the AFC. Only two of those teams are going to get that elusive first round bye. Kansas City got it last year, and unfortunately for them, it did not work out as they were eliminated at home in their first playoff game by the Steelers. But the Patriots and the Steelers are the two teams that you're going to have to go through in the AFC if you want to get to the Super Bowl. And you look at New England, they're 6-2. and two, They had their bye week. You look at Pittsburgh, they're 6-2. and two, They had their bye week. And you've already lost to Pittsburgh this season. You beat New England but you definitely have to keep up with the Joneses in the AFC if you are the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, you look ahead to week number 10 for both of these clubs. Kansas City will have their bye week, while Dallas will be on the road when they face the Atlanta Falcons. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626 626- Two three one zero three zero nine now, moving right along, there was another AFC West versus NFC East showdown today, as you had the three and four Denver Broncos traveling to the city of brotherly love to take on the 7-1 and one Philadelphia Eagles. And you just had to wonder if the trends would continue in this contest because the Broncos have yet to win a game here in 2017 on the road, while the Eagles have yet to taste defeat at home at Lincoln Financial Field now the Broncos took the opening kickoff and marched down the field which set up their first score of the game as place kicker Brandon McManus was able to connect on a 52 yard field goal to give Denver the three to nothing advantage however that was a mirage because this Broncos team simply could not deal with with the onslaught that they were about to receive from Philadelphia. The Eagles got their first crack at it on offense, and they put together a seven-play, 75-yard drive, which is capped off when quarterback Carson Wentz connected with wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey from 32 yards out to give Philly the lead at 7-3. to three. Now, it was 10-3 to three in favor of Philadelphia late in the first quarter when Wentz connected with running back Corey Clement from 15 yards out to give Philadelphia the seventeen to six advantage. Midway through the second quarter, it was not it was seventeen to six in favor of Philadelphia when Wentz connected with backup tight end Trey Burton from twenty seven yards out to make it twenty-four to six. It was twenty-four to nine in favor of Philly late in the first half when the Eagles all but put this game away when newly acquired running back Jay Ajayi scored his first touchdown and an Eagles field goal as he scampered for a 46-yard run to make it 31-9 to in favor of the home team at the half. And that was all that Philly would need this afternoon as they cruised to the 51-2 23 victory. And you look inside of the numbers, it was not pretty for the Broncos in any facet of the game. Quarterback Brock Osweiler was 19 of 38 passing for 208 yards with one TD and two picks while he was sacked three times, while his counterpart Carson Wentz was 15 of 27 passing for a Buck 99 with four TDs and no interceptions. Philadelphia was really able to dictate things at the line of scrimmage as they were able to amass 197 yards on the ground, while wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey had six grabs for 84 yards. This Eagles defense was all over Osweiler this afternoon like a cheap suit as they never really gave him an opportunity to get comfortable back there. And because of that, Denver – went on the road and got themselves throttled at the hands of the best team in the NFC. You look at the Broncos and their struggles at quarterback go back a few seasons. And unfortunately for their sake, they are no longer able to mask those troubles because you look at the talent at the quarterback position, Uh, For Denver right there, and it's simply not there Uh, Trevor Simeon is a backup quarterback And with the offensive, offensive struggles, he found himself recently benched Brock Osweiler made his first start today for the Broncos after he returned And you go back a few years ago People thought that Osweiler was going to be the heir apparent to Peyton Manning as the Broncos' starting quarterback, and that was not the case because in 2015, former Broncos head coach Gary Kubiak actually had to bench Osweiler and go back to an injured Tate Manning in order to get the Broncos to a Super Bowl championship. Now, you look at it right now. Osweiler's back. Of course, he got that big deal from the Houston Texans. They traded him to the Cleveland Browns, and the fact that Osweiler got beat out by a rookie quarterback who had never played in the NFL before, and Deshaun Kaiser let you know all you need to know as far as his ability goes to be a starter in the National Football League. So I see at some point Broncos head coach Vance Joseph going back to Trevor Simeon this season, or maybe even giving Paxton Lynch a shot. But anytime that you're playing musical chairs at the quarterback position, it does not bode well for you. And for Broncos executive VP of football operations, John Elway, I got a feeling that the starting quarterback for the 2018 version of the Broncos is not even on this roster right now. And it's sad because you look at Denver's D they were so dominant in 2015 dominant again last year. And they didn't make the playoffs because of the struggles of their offense. They lost their defensive coordinator, Wade Phillips when the scheme decided to be changed under new head coach Vance Joseph. And it's sad because honestly, defensively Denver is good enough to contend for a Super Bowl championship, but you have to score points. And the Broncos right now cannot consistently score points because of that. They're probably not going to be a playoff team here in 2017. Now, for the Eagles, they're 8-1. They are the best team in the NFC. You look at Carson Wentz. Mentally, he has a perfect makeup for the city of Philadelphia. You look at head coach Doug Peterson and general manager Howie Rose, Howie Roseman, excuse me. They brought this team back to what it was during the Andy Reid regime. Philly is running the football now effectively. You already had LeGarrette Blunt. Now you pick up Jay Ajayi from the Dolphins. Your passing game is pretty good with Alshon Jeffrey. I know Zach Ertz, their all-pro tight end, was out today with an injury, but you still have Brent who who is more. Than serviceable at the tight end position, so Philly can you know go back soon to uh, you know using their two tight end sets on offense to really take some pressure off of uh, Ertz. And at the same time, you look at their defense; they have veteran pass rushers with the likes of Chris Chris Long and Fletcher Cox, and now Barnett, their their rookie first round pick out of the University of Tennessee, is beginning to get it going. And they have leadership on that side of the ball with the likes of Malcolm Jenkins as well. In that secondary, so Philly, you know, they're still looking good. The only worry that you have, the only two worries, rather, that you have to worry about Philadelphia is staying healthy. I mean, number one, we've seen it because they've already lost left tackle Jason Peters for the season. And on top of that, you just have to wonder if this team is peaking too early because they're 8-1. and one. More than likely, they are going to win the NFC East, and they'll probably get a first-round bye. So you just have to wonder – if this Philadelphia team is peaking too early, but the bottom line is this is a good team, and quarterback Carson Wentz appears ready to run the NFC East for several years. Now, you look ahead to next week, and the Philadelphia Eagles will be in their bye while the Denver Broncos will be at home to take on the New England Patriots. Folks, as always, the call in number is going to be. 626 0309 I repeat, six two six two three one zero three zero nine. Now moving right along, you had the five and two Los Angeles Rams traveling to MetLife Stadium to take on the one and six New York Giants. And for both of these teams, they were fresh off of their bye while you looked at this contest and the Rams had not beaten the Giants since 2001, while you had to go all the way back to the 1989 NFL playoffs to find the last time that the Rams had beaten the Giants on the road. The Rams came into this contest undefeated on the road this season while the giants have yet to get a win at metlife stadium you just have to wonder would things change heading into this one now it did not take the rams that long to get the scoring going as following a giants turnover they put together a quick four play 52 yard drive which is capped off when quarterback jared goff connected with tyler higby on an eight yard touchdown pass to give Los Angeles the early lead at 7 to nothing. Now, New York was able to respond as they put together a 14-play, 67-yard drive, which ate up more than seven and a half minutes worth of game clock and was capped off when quarterback Eli Manning connected with wide receiver Tavares King from five yards out to knock the score at seven apiece. Now, it was 10-7 to seven in favor of Los Angeles in the second quarter when this contest changed. The Rams were at third and 33, and basically they were conceding the drive. Jared Goff goes on to connect with wide receiver Robert Woods on a meaningless screen pass. Woods runs untouched through the Giants defense and scampers 52 yards for a touchdown to make it 17 to seven. And at that point the game was over because the Giants, any momentum that the Giants had was gone. And right after that, the floodgates opened because a few plays later Goff connects with wide receiver, Sammy Watkins on a 67 yard touchdown pass to make it 24 to seven. And it was 27 to 10 in favor of the Rams at halftime, and they got the opening kickoff, and they marched down the field on a seven-play, 75-yard drive, which is capped off with a one-yard run from running back Todd Gurley, and that basically put the game away at 34 to 10. As Los Angeles were going the road today and thoroughly embarrassed the hapless Giants by the score of 51 to 17. You look inside the numbers, and Jared Goff was 14 of 22 passing today for 311 yards with four TDs and no picks, and he was not sacked as this Giants defense got absolutely no pressure on him today. Eli Manning was 20 of 36 passing for 220 yards with two TDs and a pick while he was sacked twice. The Giants did have 111 yards on the ground, so with 71 of those coming from Orleans Darqua. But it didn't matter because the Rams reduced 162 yards on the ground while they really dictated the pace. And you're looking at this Rams team, and I think this is a credit to head coach Sean McVay and general manager Les Snead because, number one, McVay is an offensive-minded coach, and it's a far cry from what Goff had to deal with as a rookie under former head coach Jeff Fisher. McVay has put Goff in positions Where he is comfortable On offense and he's done that because The Rams consistently run the football He's also making the most Out of his playmakers you pick up former Buffalo A pair of uh, former Buffalo Bills Wide receivers and Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins You look at this defense Under defensive coordinator Wade Phillips and Wade Phillips is one Of the better defensive coordinators That the game all football has Ever seen You look at the playmakers that the Rams have on that side of the football, starting with all-pro defensive tackle Aaron Donald. They will simply go out there and make life tough for opponents. And once you factor in that the Giants are dealing with so many injuries on the offensive side of the ball, no Odell Beckham, no Brandon Marshall, the injuries and the inconsistency on their offensive line and the inability to consistently run the football. When you put all of that together, This was a recipe for disaster for the Giants. And for the Giants to win games at this point, they have to play perfect. And when I say perfect, defensively, they have to go out there and get nasty. They're not doing that consistently like they did last year. Offensively, you can't turn the football over. So you have a very slim margin of error Due to all of the injuries That you're dealing with this season And we're seeing it This is why this team is 1-7 And And, you know The Mara family Who operates the Giants And of course I know that Steve Tisch is a co-owner But you know the Mara family They're typically patient with their coaches And I think that they will Give Ben McAdoo The Giants head coach the benefit of the doubt Of all of the Injuries and I think they will give that same benefit to the doubt of the doubt, to general manager Jerry Reese. However, with the Giants being one and seven, they're not going to the playoffs this year. So you can get that out of your head. But I guarantee you, John Mara is sitting back and looking to see how this team is going to compete for uh, for the second half of the season under Ben McAdoo. And if the Giants do not compete, in spite of the fact of all of the injuries, I guarantee you that you will see a new head coach and a new general manager running this team next year because what they showed at home today, embarrassing. There's no other way to say it. It was embarrassing because they did not compete. That is a problem. You look at it defensively, where were you? They didn't show up. And, I mean, you look at the Giants' offense, you look at it right now, if the Giants can put together two touchdown drives offensively in a game, that says a lot. But defensively, you got to go, go down there and get tough and get nasty and get physical and get angry, whatever you have to do. Right now, they're not doing that. And because of that, that is a big reason why they are 1-7. and seven. Now you look ahead to week number 10 for both of these clubs, New York will be on the road when they take on the San Francisco 49ers, while the Rams will find themselves at home to take on the Houston Texans. Now, an AFC South showdown today, part me, an AFC showdown today featured the three and four Cincinnati Bengals out of the AFC North, taking on the four and three Jacksonville Jaguars out of the AFC South. Now, it was 3-0 after one quarter of play in favor of the Jaguars when they were able to extend their lead midway through the second quarter as they put together a 15-play, 96-yard drive that ate up nearly eight minutes of game clock, and it culminated when quarterback Blake Bortles found wide receiver Marquise Lee from three yards out to give Jacksonville the ten to nothing advantage. Now the Bengals would immediately respond as they put together a five-play, 80-yard drive, which is capped off when rookie running back Joe Mixon scored on a seven-yard touchdown run to make it ten to seven. It was sixteen to seven early in the fourth quarter when Jacksonville was able to put this play uh, game away as Jaden Mixon scampered for a 63 yard punt return to make it 23 to seven. And Jacksonville would go on to win this contest by that score today of 23 to seven. And you look inside of the numbers, it was not there offensively for Cincinnati today. They only converted on one third down And they had the football today for just a little bit over 19 minutes. Shades of Super Bowl 25 with the Giants and the Bills. And I don't care who you are. If you don't hold the football for even 20 minutes in a contest, you are not going to win. And we saw that today from the Bengals, which is a good reason why they lost. Andy Dalton only attempted 18 passes. The Bengals only had 17 rushes. You add it up, that's 35 plays of offense. That's not getting it done at any level. Now, on the flip side for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Blake Bortles was 24 of 38 passing today for 259 yards with a TD and no picks, while Jacksonville had 149 yards on the ground today with 70 of those coming from running back Chris Ivory. Wide receiver Marquise Lee did have a big game as he had eight receptions for 75 yards, while this uh, Jacksonville defense, they only got two sacks today today, but it seemed like they were consistently in the backfield of the Cincinnati Bengals, which is what led to the victory for them this afternoon at home. And you look inside of this contest, and you look at things for Jacksonville, I think this was a type of game that you would like to you know, put in the category for them as a tone setter because you suspend your rookie running back, Leonard Fournette, for a violation of team rules and then you go out there and not only do you win you dominate and then you gain 149 yards on the ground so I think that is a message to Leonard Fournette that he better fall in line very quickly uh with what uh, with how things are going in Jacksonville because things have changed Doug Maroon and Tom Coughlin are disciplinarians we see we saw what Tom Coughlin did his first time around With the Jacksonville organization, when he was a head coach, of course, now he's in the front office. And, you know, Doug Marone, you know, he's a no-nonsense head coach as well. So you better fall in line very quickly. You look at this defense. All of those first-round picks that they consistently had, they're finally coming around because they're healthy. You have veterans on that D like Malik Jackson and Calais Campbell, guys that know what it takes to get to the playoffs. Of course, you know, Malik Jackson was with the Broncos when they won – the Super Bowl in 2015, and the Calais Campbell with all of those years on that defensive line for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, offensively, as long as Jacksonville is able to run the football and limit what Blake Bortles has to do offensively, they have a darn good shot. Now, this game was marred by what happened just before the first half ended when a fight broke out and it was a result of Bengals wide receiver – A.J. Green and Jaguars defensive back Jalen Ramsey getting into it, and it ended with both gentlemen being ejected. Now, if you've watched Jalen Ramsey for his brief NFL career, he's a chirpy guy. He likes to try to get into the head of the opposing wide receiver. And I think this fight really said more about Jalen Ramsey than it did about A.J. Green because A.J. Green is a quiet, mild-mannered guy. And for him to go out there and get into it with an opponent that says more about Jalen Ramsey and Jalen Ramsey has quickly developed a rep around the national football league as a trash talker and an agitator. And it led to a big fight today. And it could have been a lot worse because only two guys were thrown out. And you look at it, like I said before, it could have been a lot worse, but I guarantee you both of these gentlemen will be receiving a letter from the league office and their wallets Will be lighter in the coming days, but I tell you like this: for the Cincinnati Bengals, you know they fought so hard to get back into contention when they started zero and three. Now they're three and five, and they still, you know, for head coach Marvin Lewis, he still, you know, his team is competing. But, you know, competing just isn't going to be enough as you've got to try to find a way to get victories if you want to keep up with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the AFC North. But the Jaguars right now at 5-3, and three, they definitely have to feel good about their postseason chances this season. Now, you look ahead to week number 10 for both of these clubs, and for Cincinnati, they will be on the road to take on the Tennessee Titans, while for Jacksonville. They will find themselves in week number 10, right back at home, this time to host the Los Angeles Chargers. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626 231 I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, moving right along, it was another AFC North, AFC South meeting this afternoon as you had the 4-4 four and four Baltimore Ravens traveling to take on the 4-3 and three Tennessee Titans. And for Baltimore, they were looking to keep the momentum going after they secured that big victory on Thursday Night Football at home in week number eight over the Miami Dolphins, while Tennessee was looking to keep up with Jacksonville, for the top spot in the AFC South. Now, it was tied at three late in the first quarter when the Titans scored the game's first touchdown when quarterback Marcus Mariota connected with wide receiver Richard Matthews from 16 yards out to give Tennessee the lead at 10-3. to It was 10-6 to in favor of the Titans late in the first half when Derrick Henry punched it in from a yard out to make it 16-6, to as place kicker Ryan Suckup would miss the extra point. The score remained that way until midway through the fourth quarter, when the Ravens finally got an offensive drive going, as it resulted in quarterback Joe Flacco connecting with running back Buck Allen on a three-yard touchdown pass to make it 16-13. to However, the Titans would immediately respond as they put together a nine-play, 75-yard drive, which ate up nearly five minutes of game clock, and it was capped off when Mariota found wide receiver Eric Decker from 11 yards out to make it 23-13. to 13. The Titans, pardon me, the Ravens would score another touchdown with just under a minute left, but they were unable to get the football back, and Tennessee would go on to get the victory at home this afternoon by the score of 23 to 20. Now you look inside of the numbers and Ravens quarterback, Joe Flacco was 34 of 52 passing today for 262 yards with two TDs, but he also had two interceptions and he was sacked twice by this Titans defense. Marcus Mariota was 19 of 28 passing for 218 yards with two TDs and a pick while he was sacked three times. Jeremy Macklin, the Ravens wide receiver did have eight grabs for 98 yards but he could not do enough as baltimore fell on the road this afternoon and you look at tennessee it hasn't always been pretty but like i always say pretty really doesn't matter in the national football league as long as you get your hand raised and you look at the titans they're five and three right now they're tied with jacksonville for first place in the afc south both of these teams have not made the playoffs in a long time and somebody's dreams are going to come true. And I, I I say it like this: between the Jags and the Titans, who has the edge? And I'm gonna give the slight edge to Tennessee just for the simple fact that I think Marcus Mariota is more polished as a quarterback right now than Blake Bortles, because Blake Bortles is still a little turnover prone. And that's gonna be the difference because both of these teams can run the football effectively. Both of these teams play solid defense, and because of that, that's going to keep them in contest, but it's going to come down to the play of the quarterback, and like I said, I give that edge to Mariota. Now, you look at the Baltimore Ravens, and their struggles on offense this season have been magnified, and they were once again on display this afternoon. The Ravens put up 40 points, on the Dolphins in week number eight. But a lot of that was because of their defense and a poor Dolphins offense. You're not always going to have that luxury to face a team like that as the Ravens found out today. And this was a very tough loss for them and a very huge loss for them is not only did they drop a game in the standings to the Steelers who are off, but they also lose a potential tiebreaker for a postseason spot with the Tennessee Titans. Now you look ahead to week number 10 for both of these clubs, Baltimore will have their bye week while Tennessee will be at home once again this time to host the Cincinnati Bengals. Now in the AFC South you had the 2 and 6 Indianapolis Colts traveling to take on the 3 and 4 Houston Texans and for the Texans life without rookie quarterback Deshaun Watson begins as of course Watson suffered a torn ACL this past Thursday. In practice, now Indy would score the game's first points when midway through the first quarter, quarterback Jacoby Brissett connected with wide receiver T.Y. Hilton, who had reservations for the end zone, and this capped off a seven-play, 92-yard drive to give Indy the seven-to-nothing advantage. The Colts were in firm control of this game late in the first half when Brissett was uh, for, uh, fumbled the football. After the Titans, pardon me, the Texans defense put a ton of pressure on them. Lamar Houston scooped it up and returned it 34 yards for the touchdown to put Houston right back into this contest at 10 to 7 at the half. Now Indianapolis was able to uh, gain, regain rather, their 10 point advantage as late in the third quarter. Brissett connected with T.Y. Hilton again, this time on an 80 yard touchdown pass to make it 17-7. to It was 20-7 to in favor of Indianapolis midway through the fourth when the Texans got their first offensive touchdown of the game as quarterback Tom Savage connected with wide receiver Duke Hopkins from 34 yards out to make it 20-14. to Now, the Texans did have an opportunity to win this contest late, but bad clock management and the Colts' defense stepped up to stymie the Texans on fourth and goal. And Indianapolis would go on to win this contest and get their first road win of the season today by the score of 20 to 14. And you look inside the the numbers as Jacoby Brissett was 20 of 38 passing for 308 yards or two TDs and no picks while he was sacked three times by this Texans defense Tom Savage had a tough afternoon as he was 19-44 of passing for 219 yards with a TD and no picks while he was sacked two times. Duke Hopkins did try to bail him out as he had six grabs for 86 yards and that touchdown reception, but it was not enough as Houston fell at home this afternoon to the Colts. And you look at this Indianapolis Colts team. They continue to fight, scrap, and claw for head coach Chuck Pagano, And I know that things aren't easy. They made the announcement a few days ago that Andrew Luck would not play at all this season. So this means right now it is this opportunity for Jacoby Brissett to really showcase what can do. For the Houston Texans, I talked about the clock management issues. And they got down inside of the red zone with about 40 seconds left. They had a timeout. They elected not to use it. And they lost about 20 seconds worth of game clock. And at that point in the contest, those seconds are critical. And if if they had used their timeout, they could have calmly went down there and run, you know, their offense. And there's a good possibility that they probably have won that contest. So, you know, the poor clock management by the Houston Texans, the ineffectiveness of Tom Savage at quarterback and the inability of everybody else on this Texans team to really step up in the absence of Deshaun Watson hurt them today, as they fell at home today by the score of twenty to fourteen. And like I said, this was an opportunity for the Texans to linger, or pardon me, the, uh, the Texans to linger around in the the race as far as winning the AFC South with both the Titans and the Jags, but they were, unfortunately, for their sake, able to answer that bell. And for the Colts, you know, they're just hanging around. That's it. I mean, they're going to play hard under head coach Chuck Pagano. You better believe that. So, I mean, they're 3-6, and anything can happen for them in the second half of the season. Now, you look ahead to week number 10 for both of these clubs, Indianapolis will be at home when they take on the Pittsburgh Steelers, while Houston will be on the road to take on the Los Angeles Rams. Folks, as always, call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And finally, you had the 3-4 and four Arizona Cardinals fresh off of their bye week Traveling to take on the winless San Francisco 49ers. And the Cardinals were able to get the scoring going early on in the first quarter when quarterback Drew Stanton connected with Jaron Brown from three yards out to give Arizona the seven to nothing advantage. It was seven to three in favor of the Cards early in the first or in the second quarter, rather, when Stanton connected with tight end Jermaine Gresham from 11 yards out, and this capped off a seven-play 75-yard drive to give Arizona the 14-3 lead. The score would remain that way until the third quarter when the Niners put together a 13-play 75-yard drive, which ate up more than five minutes' worth of game clock, and it was capped off when rookie uh, quarterback C.J. Beathard uh, called his own number and punched it in from a yard out to make it 14-10. However, a pair of Phil Dawson field goals in the fourth quarter as well as a stingy Arizona defense would be the difference in this contest as the Cardinals would win today on the road by the score of 20 to 10. And you look inside of the numbers, honestly, this final score really wasn't indicative of this game as it was dominated by Arizona they possessed the football today for more than 36 minutes and a big reason for that was due to the fact that Arizona effectively ran the football all afternoon. Adrian Peterson had 37 carries for a buck 59 and as a team the Cardinals had 167 yards on the ground. 43 rushing attempts today by Arizona. So by being able to run the football that effectively you took the football out of Drew Stanton's hands and you made you really wore down this Niners defense and at the same time San Francisco was unable to run the football and they relied on a rookie quarterback in C.J. Bethson C.J. Beathard attempted 51 pass attempts today that's not going to get it done he was sacked five times by this you know 49 pardon me this Cardinals defense today and they were after him all afternoon he never really had a chance uh, to breathe back there in the pocket and when he did he got happy feet. And any time that you have a quarterback with happy feet, it's going to lead to mistakes. And this Cardinals defense really teed off of that this afternoon. Now, things did get chippy in the second half of this contest as there was a fight on the field between the Niners and the Cardinals. And it did result in several ejections, which included Cardinals defensive lineman Frosty Rucker and Niners running back. Carlos Hyde but at the end of the day Arizona was able to get the victory and you know for the Cardinals they had their bye in uh week number eight and prior to that they went to London and they were embarrassed by the Rams and on top of that they lost their starting quarterback in Carson Palmer for the season but and knowing their head coach Bruce Arians, he was not going to sit down and just take that loss especially the embarrassing loss that They had he wanted to get back to basics And he had an extra week to get Drew Stanton prepared for this game and how did he Do that he ran the football Effectively with Adrian Peterson And you know people want to know Why things did not work out for Adrian Peterson with the Saints is simple Sean Payton wanted Him to share carries with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara that's not Going to get it done and I blame some of that On Peterson because he did sign With the Saints as a Free agent but now With the Cardinals, Bruce Arians, is going to make Adrian Peterson the feature guy. And he's going to give Adrian Peterson every single opportunity to run with the football. And a lot of people wanted to write Adrian Peterson off, but he is showing everybody that he can still get it done extremely effectively at the running back position in this league. And as long as AP is going to run that football, and as long as the Cardinals defense is going to play like they did today after Bruce Arians challenged them, in the fashion that he did following that embarrassing loss to the Rams. They're going to be effective, and they're going to be around in the second half of this season. Now, the flip side for the Niners, it's the same old song. They play tough, they play tough, they play tough, they play tough, but they still don't have a victory to show for it. Uh, There are some young playmakers on this defense for the Niners. Their quarterback right now, their quarterback of the future is Jimmy Garoppolo. They just acquired him a few days ago from the New England Patriots, and they gave up a second-round pick to do it. Niners head coach Kyle Shanahan isn't ready to throw Jimmy G to the wolves yet because he doesn't know the offense wholly. So it doesn't make sense to go out there and thrust this guy out there with a team that does not have a lot of playmakers. So if you're the 49ers, you just got to go out there and simply compete and hopefully you can get a win for yourself sooner rather than later. Now, for Arizona, it's going to be a quick turnaround as they will face the Seattle Seahawks at home this Thursday night, while the Niners will be at home once again next Sunday afternoon, this time when they take on the New York football Giants. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626 626- 2-3-1-0-3-0-9. Now, you look at the standings in the divisional races, and right now, that was a big loss on Thursday night by the Buffalo Bills because they failed to keep up with the New England Patriots. The Bills are five and three, while the Pats are six and two. And granted that these two clubs still have to face each other twice this season. So Buffalo will have their opportunity. But the second half of the NFL season under head coach Bill Belichick typically tends to belong to the Patriots. And once they get going, you're not catching them. I don't care who you are. The Pittsburgh Steelers won today without even playing. As both the Ravens and Bengals lost, Pittsburgh is going to win the AFC North. It's just a matter of will they or will they not have home field advantage when the postseason rolls around. Tennessee and Jacksonville were each able to win today to run their respective records to 5-3, and three, while Houston fell off the pace as they are now 3-5. And, and, of course, the injury to Deshaun Watson all but ends their opportunity to be a postseason team here in 2017. In spite of the loss today by the Kansas City Chiefs, they are still the team to beat, in the AFC West, the Chargers are three and five, as are the Denver Broncos following their loss today, and the Raiders are three and five, but they are currently winning on Sunday Night Football as they have a 13 to nine lead over the Miami Dolphins. Now in the NFC East, Philadelphia is looking good at eight and one, but Dallas is sitting right there at five and three. And the reason why I bring this up: the Eagles and Cowboys have yet to be play each other this season. And these are going to be very interesting contests, especially if Dallas uh, still has the services of of Ezekiel Elliott at running back. And like I said before, I I look at this Eagles team, and I wonder, have they peaked too early? And if they have, a team like Dallas could sneak in the back door and make that race in the division very, very interesting. Interesting. Now you look at the NFC North, and the Minnesota Vikings had their bye week, and there's a big game tomorrow night as the Packers will host the Lions. You have the Packers who are four and three, while the Lions are three and four. And if the Lions can win that contest, they'll be four and four, and then they'll be two and zero oh in the division, and they have the opportunity to really make this a race between them and the Vikings because, of course, things obviously changed with the injury to Aaron Rodgers for the Packers. Now, in the NFC South, that was a big loss today by Atlanta as they were trying to hang in there with Carolina and New Orleans. I still think that Atlanta can be a player in this division because they have their rematch later this season with Carolina at home while they still have two contests with the Saints this season, and they've yet to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers either. So, But you look at the Saints – the Saints have victories over both the Panthers and the Bucks in this division. And obviously, you know, the Bucks are really out of it because even even if Jameis Winston is able to get healthy, again, I don't see them being a factor in this division. But you look at both the Panthers and the Saints, they can each run the football. They're each playing good defense. So both of them are going to have a very good opportunity to win this division this season. I'm not going to put Atlanta in that mix to be a division contender just for the simple fact that they have shown the inability to hold leads this season. And I think that goes back to their struggles in the second half of Super Bowl 51 this past February versus the Patriots. But due to the fact that both Atlanta, or New Orleans rather, and Carolina can run the football and play effective defense, I think this is going to be a slugfest between each of these teams having, coming down the stretch. And that was a big loss today by the Seahawks as they fell one game behind the Los Angeles Rams for first place in the West and the NFC. But you look at it, I mean, the Seahawks have already defeated the Rams this season, but Seattle needs Earl Thomas back in that secondary. And of course they're going to have their rematch with the Rams later on this season. And that is going to loom huge. But at the same time you have the Arizona Cardinals right there lurking at uh Uh, four and four so I'm definitely not ready to write them off in uh, this race now you look at the playoff standings in both the AFC and the NFC and if the postseason began today Pittsburgh and New England would have the first round buys in the AFC with Pittsburgh having home field advantage Kansas City as a result of being the AFC West leader has a three seed while Tennessee would have the four seed as they would get the nod over Jacksonville for the top spot in the AFC South. But then you would have Jacksonville and Buffalo as the two wild card teams with a record of five and three. This is a big game for Miami tonight as they're trying to keep pace with both Jacksonville and Buffalo in that wild card race in the AFC. But then you have Baltimore there at four and five. The Jets are four and five. And the Raiders are looking to join both the Jets and Ravens at 4-5 with a victory tonight. Now, on the NFC side, Philadelphia right now is the class of that conference. is there 8-1. You have the Saints, Vikings, and Rams all at 6-2. New Orleans would get the first round by while the Vikings would be the 3-seed and the Rams would be the 4-seed. Carolina would be your first wild card at six and three while Dallas would beat out Seattle for the second wild card at five and three. You have Seattle lurking at five and three and you have green Bay right there at four and three. And that's an important game for green Bay tomorrow night due to the fact that if they win, they would leapfrog the Seahawks due to their head. Actually they would leapfrog both the Seahawks and Cowboys due to their head to head wins over both clubs while you have Atlanta, Washington, and Arizona all sitting there with records of four and four. Now, you look ahead to the action for next week, and it begins this Thursday night as you're going to have the Seahawks traveling to take on the Arizona Cardinals. And for Seattle, they're going to go to the desert knowing that they let one get away from them this afternoon, against the Washington Redskins. But Seattle under head coach Pete Carroll has been one of the better teams as far as overcoming a loss and getting back on track. Next Sunday afternoon is going to be a good one, as you're going to have the New Orleans Saints traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Both of these teams play effective defense, and they also run the football. And honestly, I think the first team to get to 20 in this one will win. Now, next Sunday afternoon at Soldier Field, you're going to have the Chicago Bears hosting the Green Bay Packers, and of course, life has changed for the Packers without quarterback Aaron Rodgers, but you look at this Bears team, they're beginning to, this young Bears team, they're beginning to get confidence under head coach John Fox, and I think they could be a very interesting club in the second half of this season. Next Sunday afternoon, it will be the winless Cleveland Browns traveling to take on the Detroit Lions. And, of course, the Browns had their bye week here in week number nine, but I don't see any wins in their future anytime soon. Next Sunday afternoon, the Cincinnati Bengals will be on the road to take on the Tennessee Titans. And after just being able to possess the football today for just a shade over 19 minutes, I want to see how this Bengals offense will respond versus another afc south team now the colts got that victory today versus the texans but they will host a well-rested pittsburgh steelers team that is looking to get on a roll for the second half of the season as they look to secure a first round bye in the afc now next sunday afternoon is going to be the new york jets taking on the tampa bay buccaneers and with the injury to james winston the jets could be facing their former quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick it's going to be the Washington Redskins hosting the Minnesota Vikings now Minnesota had their bye this week and you look at their defensive front they will look to make life tough for this Redskins offensive line which has been dealing with a litany of injuries this season you're going to have the Los Angeles Chargers traveling to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars and after beginning the season with a record of 0-4, the Chargers have been a very dangerous team, and they could make life tough for Jacksonville next Sunday afternoon. Already, I think this has the makings to be one of, if not the best game of the week. You're going to have the 3-5 and five Houston Texans traveling to take on the Los Angeles Rams, and this game could get ugly for the Texans. We saw with the Rams Did to the Giants today and we saw what they did To the Cardinals a few weeks ago As when their offense gets on a roll To simply get out of the way Next Sunday afternoon is going to be The Dallas Cowboys traveling to take On the Atlanta Falcons and I want To see how Atlanta Responds After suffering that tough loss today To the Panthers I look at Dallas you know What you're going to get you're going to get a heavy dose Of Ezekiel Elliott on offense but you look At their D And I want to see them go out there against this Falcons offense because I think if Dallas is on their game defensively, they have the opportunity to force at least two turnovers from Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan. Draft position will be on the line next Sunday afternoon when you'll have the 1-7 New York Giants traveling to take on the winless San Francisco 49ers. And I, I don't see the 49ers rolling out Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback but if you're the giants and after what you did today at some point your pride has to kick in and i'm not going to sit up there and say well the giants are going to go out there and dominate the 49ers because that's not going to be the case but this will be a very interesting uh, game because i want to see how the giants respond after what they did this afternoon versus the rams now next sunday night you're going to have the new england patriots traveling to take on the denver broncos And like the Giants, the Broncos are looking to get back on track after they surrendered 51 points to an opponent today. And it won't be easy as they will be taking on a well-rested Patriots team who was off here in week number nine. And finally, on Monday night, you're going to have the Miami Dolphins traveling to take on the Carolina Panthers. And for the Dolphins, they're a tough team to figure out, plain and simple. Carolina, I think they, they, they finally decided, and I think they finally found the ability to get back to their successful formula of running the football and playing solid defense, and I think that will be on display next Monday night at home. So, folks, that is going to do it for things here in week number nine, and as always, I want to take this time out to thank you for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge show here on blogtalkradio.com. I will be back on the air next Sunday night at the same time, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. This time, recapping the action from week number 10 in the NFL season. Now, if you're on Twitter, please feel free to follow me at 300 pounds of sports. And like I always say, if you follow me, it will be my pleasure to follow you right back. Also, there is a Facebook page at 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge. You can check it out, and you are more than welcome to like it as well. You can also check me out on 300poundsofsportsknowledge.com, where I fancy myself as being the total sports package for the total fan. And today I put up an article about how things are going so good for Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans and how they got away from this club and their rookie quarterback so quickly as always a big time shout out to 150 pounds of sports knowledge she knows who she is and without her none of this good stuff that you are hearing is possible and as always much love to my wonderful daughter Penelope and like I always say it is a pleasure to see her grow and grow and grow and grow on a daily basis so once again fine folks my name is William Martin Take care, have a wonderful night, and thanks once again for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge show here on blogtalkradio.com.